Ahoy authors! You're listening to the Writership Podcast, a show focused on helping indie authors master self-editing skills. So come aboard and get ready to find the treasure in your manuscript with hosts Leslie Watts and Alyssa Archer. Welcome to episode 32 of the Writership Podcast. I'm Leslie Watts. And I'm Alyssa Archer. Leslie and I are the co-captains of Writership.org, where we create books, programs, and content for writers who want to improve their craft. With this podcast, we want to help you edit your way into a great book. If you'd like to find out more about us and Writership, you can find us on the web at Writership.org. The Writership Podcast is brought to you by the Author Marketing Institute as part of the AMI Podcast Network. You can learn more about how AMI is helping authors by visiting www.authormarketinginstitute.com. Looking for more five-star reviews of your book? Of course you are. Become a premium member at Author Marketing Club and get access to their award-winning reviewer grabber tool. Find top-tier Amazon reviewers for your books in minutes. You can check that out at www.authormarketingclub.com. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Alyssa. <laughs> How are you today? I'm feeling very chipper. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've got NaNoWriMo on my brain. Oh, it's that time of year. I know. For those of us, for those of our listeners who may not know, NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month. And it's when a whole bunch of crazy people get together in November to write 50,000 fresh words. And I think I'm going to do it this year. How about you? Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. I will say I have my own kind of plan going. And if NaNoWriMo fits into that plan, then I will jump in with both feet. I don't know how else to do jumping in. But um, <laughs> I will, yeah, I'll do it if it if it works. But I think it's been a great motivator and a great way to connect with other writers and a really wonderful setup. So I may do it again. Yep. I'm yeah. thinking I'm going to need to. I've got this outline I'm working on, and I think I just want a few more weeks of protected dream time, and then mm -hmm. time to get that draft out. Sounds like perfect timing. Yeah, I think so. It works for my plan. <laughs> there you go. My maniacal plan. <laughs> that was almost maniacal. Almost. I'm getting there. I need some lessons. I do. <laughs> Shall we get started with today's quote? <laughs> Let's do. Okay. Today, our quote is from Vladimir Nabokov. I have rewritten, often several times, every word I have ever published. My pencils outlast their erasers. Again, that's Vladimir Nabokov. What do you I think? Love, I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I love that I I'm a handwriter as you know. Mm -hmm. I still write all of my drafts first in longhand on paper and I feel like a bit of uh I don't know. I feel that that is not the way most people do it anymore. Right. So it's delightful to to me to hear of someone someone's pencil outlasting its eraser. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm but you don't actually use pencils, do you? No, I don't. I use pen. <laughs> 
I know you have a very special <laughs> pen that you have to have. Yes, yes. Well, not have to have, but perf- certainly prefer. 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 I'm a... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I certainly relate um, to needing to rewrite and do over and rethink and a draft, even though mine are mainly on the computer. So it's, um, I think that's one of the great boons that writers have, right? I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. we do get to rewrite, start over, throw in the trash. We're not a, we're not a performance art. So Mm -hmm. we screw up. We're not, it's not in the view of everyone in the world unless we decide to make it so. (laughs) And so it's that gift of privacy that a writer has Mm -hmm. in creating their art. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite lovely. Shall we jump into today's critique session? Let's do. Both feet. (laughs) Yeah, not just one, because that would be really painful. All right, so today we have a short science fiction story titled Last Eve, and this is from Carolina Green. And we'll uh, put a link to Carolina's website in the show notes. And this is, I believe, as of yet unpublished. So thank you very much, Carolina. Again, this is Last Eve. Eve was awake long before her alarm sounded. She lay on top of her bare mattress, already fully dressed, and stared at the ceiling above her. When she moved in, she had it painted, it dark blue, with yellow dots that were supposed to represent stars in the universe, like a night sky she'd only ever seen on photographs from way back when. A night sky that she'd soon be a part of all the time, without needing to paint it anywhere. It wouldn't even need to be night for it. She strained her ears. The wind was howling around her house. Even from inside, surrounded by thick the thick insulated walls, she could hear the hoppers outside singing their song. If she strained her ears, she was sure she could hear a bird cry. Soon she wouldn't be hearing any of those sounds anymore. Space was silent, except for the breaths of her fellow citizens. The alarm from the intercom shook her from her trance, and mechanically she swung her legs from her bed to get up. She took a deep breath, only to cause a rattling cough to rise. Just a reminder of why leaving was necessary. Her house, built top-notch with the newest technology possible, couldn't even properly hold the fumes out anymore. The airlocks weren't holding as tightly as they should, or maybe the smog had started seeping through the walls. She didn't know. She also didn't care. This was, after all, her last day here on Earth. Eve grabbed the breakfast bar from what would soon no longer be her kitchen table. All the nutrition she'd need for her last task here, handily wrapped in a bar that could fit into her hand. In the old days, back when her grandmother had been a young girl, they would eat fruit from the trees and roots from the ground. That was before everything had become toxic, though. Now, everything was engineered just the way it was needed, customized for the human body it was intended for. Technology really had taken leaps. 
Except for the painting on her ceiling, everything else in the house was bare. Only the regularly issued furniture remained, leaving the rooms looking gray and clinical. Everything here would stay behind and possibly long outlive any creatures left on the planet. Or maybe not. She took her time with her breakfast, even though her schedule had a certain sense of urgency to it. Today was the last day to leave. Her job as an earth biologist had required her to stay behind until the last possible moments to collect samples for future analysis. The more material they had, the better they could compare. It would be easier to come to the conclusion they were all hoping for, if and when they could return. But even if Eve hadn't been required to stay behind, she would have volunteered. She knew many who had paid good money to be on one of the earlier evacuations, but unless you were part of the collection crew that made sure the rest of them got safely on the ships, you weren't allowed back once you were up. She'd still have all her life to spend on the spaceship. She could use a few more weeks on a planet she'd never get to visit again. Even if the human race could ever come back to Earth, it would be so far in the future that Eve wouldn't be a part of it. The evacuation was supposed to last several weeks at first. Then weeks turned into months, which was still a very optimistic time frame. The changes had cost many people their lives, leaving the human race down to only a few million subjects. Still, evacuating that many people and sorting them into a con confined space, which, as large as it was, was still no match for the vastness of the Earth, was, was no small task. The first evacuation ship left the planet two years ago, and Eve had enjoyed every minute of the extra time she'd had. This house she had been issued to occupy last year wasn't built to resist the changes over the past 12 months, and the gear she owned would only keep her safe for a few hours before she'd have to seek shelter somewhere with an oxygen supply. She knew because she'd come close to perishing more and more often over the past weeks. Sometimes she thought she'd die down here before she'd ever get to set foot on the ship. But now here she was, scheduled to leave at 1,500 hours, her timetable measure out exactly to the minute. And she was dragging her feet. Eve had slept in her clothes last night. It was a logical choice to minimize the time she'd need to get ready in the morning, but it struck her now that she didn't have any pajamas down here anymore. She didn't even remember the last time she'd had pajamas. Fuzzy ones like when she had been younger and slept, still slept with a stuffed toy. All she had now was an extra set of gear in the closet. Her pants, shirt, and boots were all designed to be airtight but breathable. Anybody who'd ever worn one knew that the breathable claim was crap. It only took five minutes for the fabric to cling to your body as if it were trying to fuse with your skin. The jacket was meant to reflect the radioactivity from the ground and the mostly unfiltered UV rays from the sky. And the helmet, never forget the helmet with the oxygen supply and the intercom, armor designed to withstand the environment. All perfectly safe, at least a few months ago. But with the Earth's atmosphere declining and the smog growing thicker by the day, Eve knew that the gear's best before date was rapidly decreasing. She slipped into her jacket methodically, ensuring all the clasps were tightened and all the zippers were zipped. Her boots were already strapped to her feet, but that didn't keep her from double-checking them as well. 
backpack than helmet. She checked with a bottle of lavender mist that it, too, was fastened. Her partner, Gary, had always made fun of her for being so meticulous. An image of his dark form in the fog, waving for her, flickered through her mind. His form on his knees, her trying to drag him through the thick underbrush of the woods. By the time they'd reached the closest oxy station, his lips had turned purple. She'd sat with him, his unblinking eyes staring at her, until they told her it was over. Two years and that image was still as fresh as ever. Eve pressed the button for the airlock, but nothing happened. It had been on the fritz these past few days because the batteries were running low. Without any people to run the power plants, she and the others had to rely on old-fashioned systems. There was a manual switch on the inside that Eve knew well by now. Outside, the wind was strong, and Eve had a hard time pushing the door closed. The other houses located along her street had been abandoned long ago. Some had lost their roof in a storm. Others had already tumbled. This house, her house, would soon just look just like them. The smog was thick enough that she could only see as far as two houses down. A month ago, it had been three. Eve turned the other way and headed for the town center. Her routine for the day had been mapped out perfectly in advance. The samples she'd collect, the route she'd walk, the photos she'd take, the time she'd arrive at the ship. The tree in the town square changed its genetic markup a tiny bit every year to adapt to its environment. It stood strong, although entirely leaf and bloomless as far as Eve could see, and its roots had destroyed a few of the houses close by. She made her way over cracked concrete and loose gravel, stumbling over and crawling underneath the dark roots towards the trunk. With her scalpel, she scraped some of the bark into a clear container and watched as new bark Im grew immediately over her incision. The magic of rapid regeneration, Eve thought and smiled. And that is the end of our submission. All right. Um, so I'll get started. Um, this, I, I love this premise. It's really interesting. And I think it's interesting to explore this in the context of a short story rather than, you know, something that's a, a you know, a bigger novel, um, a bigger science fiction novel. Um, of course, the, the short story does have some um, limitations. Uh because because it is a shorter space because you so you have to be really efficient with everything that you're doing um and so for me this story um it's it's got and this was something that that um carolina asked about specifically about the telling in the story because she's eve is all alone she doesn't have someone she's interacting with or having conflict with and so she's going to have to, that's a difficult place to start. And she's going to have to uh, work really hard to not have it be a lot of telling. And so I think we have, we do have a lot of telling in this story. Um, and I think, I think as painful as it is to hear that this is going to need to be, that there's going to be, need to be a substantial rewrite. The, um, this feels more like 
someone explaining the story rather than actually telling the story for the for the reader and um so we've made notes in the in the text about that um which of course you can find in the show notes um but i also have a couple of you know sp- more specific things so we don't we don't have as i said we don't have someone interacting with eve and so we think instead of having her wake up and you know she doesn't need to get dressed because she's already dressed um wake up and have breakfast and that that she should be out in the world and that we should start there even you know it doesn't need to be in chronological order um but even so i think you could you could kind of that would be a better choice that to do it out of chronological order yeah, I mean, I completely understand the impulse when you're telling the story of the one, a woman's last day on earth mm-hmm. to start in the morning. You know, it feels right. However, I agree. I think there there's just not enough that happens. And there's there's a lot of implied conflict or, you know, there's a lot of foreshadowing. But in a short story, we just don't have time for that. And um, I agree it would be better to have her out in the world experiencing what essentially feels like a man versus nature conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, yeah, we, we get into, we're t- into page three and, and what Eve has done is get up and eat breakfast. And so I, yeah, I think she needs to get out, be out in the world and having reactions, physical and emotional to what she sees and hears or doesn't uh, and smells and and just really getting into that experience on a sort of granular level because you can do that uh, here. Um, so I think, yeah, again, I think get her out in the world as soon as possible. Start there. And then rather than having her think about and reflect on the dangers of the current environment, have her doing stuff and then responding like, you know, like, like the, her, the, the gear that she's wearing before she goes out, that's an opportunity to, you know, to slip in one, one or two details about the world and how, how dangerous and nasty it, it has become. Um, and, uh, you know, like it's not clear from, our submission, the part that we have, whether Eve decides to get on the ship or not, um, whether she, um, you know, like what, what ultimately happens to her. Um, and we don't really know, like, what is it that she really wants other than she wants things to be the way it used to be. She wants to stay on earth. Um, and she seems fascinated by it. Um, but we don't know. I don't get a sense whether that's like her real goal. Um, does she want to survive and then go off the planet? Does she want to just stay on Earth and see what happens and, and, and you know, finish her life there? We don't really know. And so that would be, a, it would be good to, to have that, to include that in the, in the beginning yeah, I agree with that too. It seems like she's resigned to her fate. She seems resigned to be 
getting on that ship later in the mm-hmm. afternoon. And again, who knows whether or not it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the author does. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't have a strong sense of why she left this planet. It's clearly betraying her. It betrayed her partner mm-hmm. to the point where he died. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, stated that she's had more and more uh, risks of right. dying in right. the It's getting more weeks. dangerous, yeah. Right. And so uh, she has these memories from when her grandmother was a child, which seemed, you know, or perhaps tales of mm-hmm. when her grandmother was a child. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about Earth that she's loving. Right. What's she going to miss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is she afraid of when she leaves, if she leaves? So, Yeah. I I have one additional suggestion about if you um, having a character who's not doesn't have anyone to have conflict with in the moment. I suggest checking out the brief history of the dead by Kevin Brockmeyer. Um, that has uh, there are portions in that I don't want to do any spoilers, but there are there's a portion of that where a character is alone, and I think it might inform. Um, Eve's experience on Earth. <laughs> All right, nice. That's me. What do nice. you have, Alyssa? <laughs> well, I I do. Like I said, I completely agree with you. I I think that this story needs a different structure to come across the right way. Mm-hmm. And then once the author is done her rewrites, there are a few things that she'll want to pay attention to from a copy editing perspective. Mm-hmm. And so um, one was that there was some repetitive sentence structure in this um, where there was a phrase and then a parent or, a, you know, supplemental or parenthetical phrase that enhanced it. And then the balance of the sentence, uh, even from inside, surrounded by the thick insulated walls, she could hear the hoppers outside singing their song. Or when she moved in, she had it painted it dark blue with yellow dots that were supposed to represent the stars in the universe. Mm -hmm. She's um, over the course of reading this excerpt, that blank description, finish the sentence syntax. That's so technical. Don't you love my technical descriptions? (laughs) I do. It's beautiful. (laughs) Lovely. Uh, It it ended up feeling... Uh, heavy for me. Here's another one. In the old days, back when her grandmother had been a young girl, they would eat fruit from trees and roots from the ground. You know, and once once I'm surprised by how many people do this. And once I started, you know, recognizing this in my own writing, then I start like it just started popping up in other people's writing um, when I read it. And so it's really it's a really common thing because we have certain structures that we like that feel good to us as we're writing. And we just need to, in the revision process, of course, look for those things, ask beta readers to look for those things and um, hire a good editor. I know of two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, More than two, but I know of two in particular. Um, To to look for those things and help you find them because we're oftentimes blind to those things because... It's like, you know, it's like a fish swimming in water. They can't see the water. Yeah, I I agree. I think especially repetitive sentence structure is a difficult one to see in your own writing. 
Okay, so that's one thing I would look for. Mm -hmm. um, the other is sentence fragments. This this excerpt that we read um, is rife with them. Mm -hmm. And I really think sentence fragments should be used sparingly and when you need them for extreme effect, but not every page. So uh, while they can feel poetic, um, there's often a way to include them in the previous sentence or to create a a full sentence with those fragments. So look for sentence fragments and make sure that they're absolutely critically important when you use them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the third one, we mentioned this in another podcast, I believe, but um, look for conjugations of the verb to be. Uh oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what are you to saying, be Alyssa? Is, are, were, and was. And Oftentimes, there's a verb lurking nearby in disguise that wants to be the main character in this sentence, right? <laughs> he wants to be the actor. Yeah. And um, that to be verb is, is keeping him from shining. So, um, for example, let's see. The wind was howling around her house. So there's that was. The wind was. And right next to it is howling. How about the wind howled around her house? Mm -hmm. It's much stronger. And it's a very simple change. Mm -hmm. It's def This is definitely one of the passes I do on every single one of my manuscripts as I go through and look for those verb conjugations of the word of the verb to be. And I look for, is it, did I write in passive without intending to, first of all? And then if I look to see if there's a stronger verb that I can replace that to be with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a kind of you can feel a a dip or a something I'm sure there's a technical word for it but as you you know when somebody when you say was howling it's that you know and that when you when you take that out and you use the you know just use the verb and it's past tense then you know, the wind howled, like over the course of the manuscript, it really makes a huge difference. It does. It does. It does. And interestingly enough, that brings us to today's editorial mission. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Get ready for it. So I would like for y'all to check out your to be verbs and you know, just do a search. Go use your software, find is, are, was, were, had been, and check again, first of all, to see if you've engaged in passive language or passive voice when you didn't intend to. And secondly, look to see if there's a stronger verb lurking nearby or see if you can come up with a stronger verb because verbs energize and empower your prose and uh, you don't want to miss those opportunities to make it stronger. Very nice. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Alyssa. All right. As we close up, we would like to remind you that the Writership Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Author Marketing Institute, which you can find at www.authormarketinginstitute.com. To get more five-star reviews of your books, become a premium member at Author Marketing Club and get access to their award-winning reviewer grabber tool. Check it out at www.authormarketingclub.com. Calm, that is. <laughs> 
Yes. And visit us on the web at writership.org. If you join your our crew, you'll get a free copy of The Writership Sampler, which is a book full of exercises and writing prompts to inspire you. You can also learn more about our editing services and sign up for our monthly editing newsletter. All right, that is all for today. And we hope to see you next time on the Writership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Writership Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and sharing the show with your author friends and communities. And right after you do that, make sure to contact the hosts, Leslie and Alyssa, to help you find the treasure in your manuscript. Head on over to writership.org forward slash podcast to submit your pages.